When you're afflicted, he was in jail, you're forced to re-examine what's really important to you. No one lugs the suitcase into a wilderness, and if they do, it gets left behind soon enough. Like Paul said, he left behind so many things which previously were important to him. When life becomes bare bones in a desert, there is little or no time or energy for superficial stuff. It's blown away, and we are faced with Hi, and welcome to our World Communion Sunday edition of the Redheaded Preacher podcast. My name is Richard Lanford. I am the Redheaded Preacher of St. Peter's United Church of Christ in Skokie, Illinois, an open and affirming congregation in the United Church of Christ, where wherever you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. Our message today is called In Wilderness, Commandments, Covenant and Christ. The scriptures, which will be read by Jessica Schneider, are Exodus 20, verses 1 through 20. Yes, that's the Ten Commandments and a little bit more. And Paul's letter to the Philippians, in chapter 3, beginning with the second half of verse 4 through verse 14. Let us pray. Holy One, we ask your blessing on this time of listening, that it may be fruitful for us and aid us in our spiritual growth. We give you thanks for this opportunity and for the technology that makes this possible. May this time be consecrated to your service. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. And now, here are our scriptures. Our first reading is from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 20. As promised, the Ten Commandments. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents, to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, For the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth 
the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, they were afraid, and trembled, and stood at a distance, and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come only to test you, and to put the fear of him upon you, so that you do not sin. This ends the reading from Exodus. Our epistle lesson is also our final reading for this morning. It is Philippians chapter 3, beginning with the second half of verse 4 and going through verse 14. Paul talks about the surpassing value he has found in knowing and following Jesus Christ. Paul wrote, If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and regarded them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, a righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Here ends the reading from Philippians and our scriptures for this morning's service. May God grant us a joyful and faithful understanding of this, the word of God for the people of God. Some of you know that two weeks ago, Beth and I took the plunge to take in two five-month-old kittens. Annie Norse's aunt decided she misjudged herself and at her age was not quite up to two kittens in her condo. After meeting them, we took them in. They are two sisters. Needless to say, they go everywhere. I think, I think they know what get down means, but that's it, if that. 
Uh, Beth and I do not let our cats get up on the kitchen counters, uh, the dining room table, the stereo and the stereo stand, the mail table, on our keyboards, or really even to stay on the coffee table. But these are kittens. To follow our rules, they have to, we trust, slowly learn them, so that when they grow up to be years old cats, they will have the sense to wait until we are in bed or away from the house to get on the countertop. So this is a process, but there are things we do not want them to do as well or go, as well as things we want and encourage them to do. The more they learn and follow the rules over time, the more they will not be kitties learning the ropes that really belong where they are with us. Rules and belonging with the family. This is good for the four of us, eventually, and for most anyone in or not in a wilderness, per my recent desert sermons. If you joined last week's service, you heard me talk about some aspects of life in the COVID wilderness. I want to stick with being in a wilderness. On World Communion Sunday, our passages lift up some necessities I suggest we are to embrace, enjoy, and move onward with. Now, I almost said move forward with, but the truth is that in the wilderness, in the deserts of life, you and I may not always be going forward. We could be going in circles without knowing it. What did the Hebrews receive at Sinai while they literally were in the desert? I'm thinking of two things. They are intertwined and are foundational to Israel, and perhaps to any of us wandering in our own deserts who plan to make it to a green and pleasant land. God gave them the gift of the Ten Commandments and other laws beyond that passage, and along with them, the gift of being in covenant with the Lord. The two things are the law and the covenant. Following the commandments will reflect that they were children of the God who took them out of the house of bondage in Egypt and will make of them a great covenanted nation. Our kittens, Amy and Rachel, have rules in the house, whether they know it or not, whether they break them or not. There are commandments, so to speak, and between we two and those two, a mutual belonging to each other, which their rules help to support and maintain, and eventually make a little easier. Commandments and covenant, in this case of Exodus, go together like a hand in a glove for Israel. The law holds Israel to the Lord who rescued them and gave them the law. The law is also an ethical framework, which we later learn from Jesus naturally hangs on the two greatest commandments, neither of which are in the Big Ten. John Durham, in his commentary on Exodus, wrote... The first of the commandments, shall have no other God beside me, in the first of the commandments in some 
is the essential foundation for the building of the covenant community. Yahweh had opened himself to a special relationship with Israel, but that relationship could develop only if Israel committed itself to God alone. Yahweh had rescued them, freed them, delivered them, and guided them, and provided for them, then had come to them. The next step, if there is to be one, belonged to them. Later he says, we have to keep in mind the special nature of Old Testament law as liberating law. Law as revelation instead of law as restriction. Law as given by Yahweh to a people wanting to be guided in this way. The first four commandments, he says, set forth the principles guiding Israel's relationship to Yahweh. The last six set forth the principles guiding Israel's relationship with the covenant community, and more broadly, with the human family. End quote. In our wilderness, I believe we need a grounding or centering of both liberating laws in connection with and from our God, and a covenant community which walks together in all God's ways covenant community, which may worship only virtually right now or in family settings, but whose ways of love, honesty, faith, and service identify us as God's family and which ways keep us going in that identity, even when community is scattered. Communities are needed for our mutual encouragement exchange of ideas and sharing of resources which may even be sparse prayer, inspiring stories, and for knowing that we are not, even in COVID, we are not alone. This is World Communion Sunday. We are not having in-person communion, this sacramental day of unity. But you and I can appreciate the belief that around this planet, as disciples of Christ take communion, we are still one in the Spirit. Not only across geography, not only across space, but also across denomination and across time. Covenant communities get spiritual bread for our journeys, our manna, in the desert, when we, are able, when we are able to partake of the sacrament and remember that we are not alone. Commandment, covenant, and communion ground us to God and each other no matter what happens during our wilderness wanderings. We need, I think, we need some sacred do's and don'ts in our desert and a deep belonging to each other, both testifying to love. Lest, like kittens, we just tear all over the place and end up nowhere good in that desert. The sacrament nourishes us, body and soul. These ground us or center us. I recently talked about Christ the center, our center. 
These things ground us or center us. They protect and sustain us. But what might move you and me forward? Today, Paul talks about going forward. He has a goal toward which he presses. Jessica read us an amazing epistle passage. Paul opens up personally to what makes him tick. When you're afflicted, he was in jail, you're forced to re-examine what's really important to you. No one lugs a suitcase into a wilderness, and if they do, it gets left behind soon enough. Like Paul said, he left behind so many things which previously were important to him. When life becomes bare bones in a desert, there is little or no time or energy for superficial stuff. It's blown away, and we are faced with our true priorities and values to which we wilderness pilgrims cling and where we go for strength, hope, God, identity, and guidance. What made Paul tick after his Damascus Road experience? We touched on it a couple of weeks ago without realizing it, and I'll reference that at the end. What made him go forward, what made him press on, was not a material purpose, not a destination that you see on a map, but a person, capital P person, Jesus Christ, his Lord. How did he mean this? And how might this be true for you and me in our wildernesses? Early on, when talking about what fell away from him once he became a believer, he said the old stuff was lost, quote, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Knowing Jesus Christ, not knowing about him only, but knowing Jesus Christ was this surpassing value. It gave him right standing with God through faith in Jesus and what Jesus did through his crucifixion and resurrection. Paul found the grace of God in which he stood. But this is not a head theological thing only. Remember I said Paul gets pretty personal here because his relationship with Jesus Christ was personal. When he then wrote, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, the Greek word he used for to know, I want to know Christ, is gnoske, which has a parallel in Hebrew, yada. Both verbs mean to know in a very well-acquainted, very personal, intimate sense. Paul wants to know Christ very deeply. Paul wants to know Christ in both Christ's sufferings and his resurrection, and they, one does not come without the other. The total package of the Savior is who the Apostle wants to know. This is not what, but who drives him forward in his soul growth, even as he sat in a Roman jail. Gordon Fee wrote, quote, 
Paul has taken up the Old Testament theme of knowing God and applied it to Christ. It means to know him as a child and parent know each other, or wife and husband. Knowledge based on personal experience and intimate relationship. And thus to know Christ's character intimately. So one does not disavow Christ's sufferings, but in some way, in his own life, in our own lives, we share those sufferings by also going through hardships for what is right, loving, giving, and forgiving. Gordon Fee wrote that to know Christ in his sufferings, or to be like him in his death and in his resurrection, To live in resurrection power today and to share in the ultimate resurrection, this has what he called a cruciform lifestyle as its present goal and resurrection as its final goal. Well, how do you and I in our wildernesses find ourselves being in having a cruciform lifestyle? where we find ourselves paying a price for being his follower. We find ourselves sharing in Christ's sufferings for doing the loving, self-denying, blessing another regardless of what she thinks about me way. Is standing up for what is right, loudly, but peacefully, but getting arrested for it, A way to share in Christ's sufferings, because in his own way, that is what Jesus did. Are our lives, as one of my seminary classmates once put it, on the lowly way with Jesus? Sharing in his sufferings was not just something Paul thought about as a way to really know Jesus deeply. But it's a way for when we suffer for the faith, if we deny ourselves something, go through hardships because of our faith, Paul, I think, would say that's sharing in Christ's sufferings. Dietrich Bonhoeffer ended up in the wilderness of a Nazi prison camp because that pacifist chose to be part of a plot to kill Adolf Hitler. And before he died... While behind bars, he wrote many things in a book called Letters and Papers from Prison, one of my favorite books in my bookshelf, on my bookshelf. He wrote, The Christian, unlike the devotees of the redemption myths, has no last line of escape available from earthly tasks and difficulties into the eternal. But like Christ himself, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He must drink the earthly cup to the dregs. And only in his doing so is the crucified and risen Lord with him, and he crucified and risen with Christ. Remember, Paul was in jail, and Christians in Rome did not always get to live. Enemies of the Third Reich did not always make it either. Eventually, Paul did die at the hands of Rome, Bonhoeffer was hung days before the Allies liberated his camp. They were ready, though, 
Not only because their lives took them down a lowly way, where they drank that cup to the dregs out of love for the gospel and kingdom values, but also because the Jesus Christ they knew was Christ the Lord, who was also resurrected. They walked in their deserts, knowing that the Christ who suffered was also raised. That power of resurrection was alive in his people in this life and unto the next. I press on to make it my own, Paul wrote, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on towards the goal for the prize of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had a purpose in his wilderness, a forward direction in his life, Christ the Lord, who empowered Paul to undergo all that life and wickedness threw his way and yet not despair. He embraced it all as Christ embraced all of sinful, forgiven Paul. Paul had a purpose to keep him going in his scary, dramatic, painful, and demanding wilderness. As he put it earlier, for him, living is Christ, and dying is gain. I cannot tell you just how Paul's example can uplift you and me in our difficult deserts. We're all different. How our living is Christ with deeds of love and forgiveness and justice bring us suffering and resurrection. They'll vary. But this, I end with a quote again from Gordon Fee. Christ's resurrection had given him, Paul, Christ's resurrection had given him a unique perspective on present suffering as well as an empowering presence whereby the suffering was transformed into intimate fellowship with Christ himself. And Paul probably hoped that his telling of his story would be taken up and modeled and lived out by the Philippians. And you know, we get to read those words too. And that's good news. Amen. That will do it for our World Communion Sunday edition of the Red-Headed Preacher. I hope you found the message inspiring and encouraging. Next week, we will be hearing scriptures from Philippians 4, Exodus 32, when the people get anxious, Moses hasn't come down from the Mount Sinai, so Aaron, can you help us out? And a gospel passage where an owner, a distant owner of a farm, is trying to get his uh, workers to pay their tithe or you know, and then finally sends his son, uh, trusting that they'll respect his son. Another parable told for the benefit of the scribes and Pharisees. That's next week, however. I thank you again for listening, and I ask and hope, uh, God, that you will give everyone listening a blessed week. Amen. <laughs>